FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87, 6, 87, 8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for? Uh, I am thankful to be here, Lyle. Yes. Thankful to be up and... And moving. You know what I'm thankful for? What are you thankful for? You're in pain. <laughs> wow, wow. As you can tell, we can me all, and Lyle we can, are just we can such all great in, friends. He has all... my best interest at heart. Of course, always. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy pain. Like Yes, when like, it's not mine. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I was, okay, okay, okay. I thought you were like When it's yours. I thought you were getting into some like sadism or something. But... No, not at all. Not at all. Alright, yeah. No, well uh, uh, yeah. I was playing basketball yesterday. Actually, I think that is sadism, isn't it? When you enjoy someone else's pain. What? It's what? masochism. Masochism is, is when you enjoy, enjoy your, own. your own. I don't participate in any of those things, personally. Yes. I know that uh, you do. Yeah. Just, but, just yours. <laughs> but, just yours. But for me. Nobody else. Oh, yeah. I was playing basketball yesterday. I love playing basketball. And uh, I was so silly. Like, I just wore really bad <laughs> shoes. And I rolled my ankle really hard. And I jarred my finger really hard. And it's, like, coming up all bruised and... Yeah, I'm like limping. limping around. Like it's just no pain, no gain, really. Hopping, hopping in here on one leg, <laughs> hobbling. Yeah, dude, I felt old because I went to bed last night and I was like, oh yeah, it's a bit sore, but I, I think I can just walk it out. Like it's alright. And then I wake up this morning and step on it, and I'm like, like I can't move. Like yeah, so. Yeah. And uh, now your leg looks like a is is starting to look like a basketball. Yeah. <laughs> kind. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to have positively different news, but before we do, we have the first question for our, the first quiz of the day. Yeah, that's right. The first question for the quiz. I am the twin brother who gave up my birthright. Who am I? This is someone that we've... uh, Talk about easy. a lot easy. On, the, easy. on the breakfast show. 0491 is the number to call or text. And if you call and text that number, and if you say the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win two books. Not just one book, two books. Well, it's kind of like one big, amazing, awesome book, and then one kind of like booklet that is kind of a companion to that big, amazing, awesome book that you can actually share with people. Uh, the book that we are doing for our giveaway this week is the book Food as Medicine by Sue Rad, Cooking for Your Best Health. Do you want to eat things that make you feel good and that taste good? Well, this is the book for you. This is a fantastic book. Getting into like this this idea of how food can actually heal us. If we're eating the right things, it will enable us to yeah, feel better, to live healthier, to live happier. That's what this is all about. So this book, Food as Medicine by Surad, absolutely amazing. And you'll also get the companion book, this smaller book called A Taste of Food as Medicine, which is like, it's actually, I've got a copy of it sitting right here beside me. It's like a small booklet that has a bunch of recipes in it as well, but is perfect for like giving to people and letting them kind of yeah get a get a taste for it before they buy the full thing. But we are giving away both, provided you get the correct answer. So give us a call, 0491-064-669. And again, that question was, I am the twin brother who gave up my birthright. Who am I? 491 all right, let's have some positively different news this morning, Lawson. I have some cool stories here. Before I get into it, I just wanted to share a quick story of something that happened to me on the weekend. I went to church. 
Yes. It was amazing. Praise God. Afterwards, I ate lunch with my church family. Yes. It was so good. Yes. Uh, that I jumped in my car and drove across to the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church, where I was privileged to spend some time there talking about how to do personal ministries and how to... Actually, my, my message, my kind of training was on... It was called How to Make Friends. And so it's all just cool. about how we can connect with people and then, you know, leverage those friendships to lead people to Christ. Did you teach them fort? What's that? What's that? Fort, F-O-R-T. Fort. I, I, no, I have. Family occupation religion testimony. No, I, I did grace. Oh, you did grace? Yeah, which is uh, genuine. Oh, let me, I made this up. It's genuine, receptive, appreciative, concern for their well-being, and encourageable, endurant, and oh, I forget the last word, but yeah, it that's essentially like it. Grace C. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, but E stands for a couple of different things. But that's cool. It's essentially cool. yeah, a method that I kind of come up with that enables you to be able to meet people where they're at, make a friendship with them, and lead them closer to Christ, which was amazing. And then I jump in my car and I drove back to actually where all my church family was because we got together and had dinner. And then I got in my car again and I'm like, all right, I'm going home. And I live with my dad. We live in a place that is really nice and, and awesome. And I get home and I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of cars out the front. And I walk in the front door and I find out that, um, well, I should have known this, but I just wasn't paying attention to the family group chat. Um, my older sister... She was having a party for her husband. It was his birthday. Nice. And invited a bunch of people over. And those people, like, uh, yeah, they're not really Christians, like a lot, a lot of the people there. Um, some of them are, some of them aren't. But regardless, they showed up and, you know, they were just having a classic Australian party. And just, you know, there's like most of my family isn't Christian. And so I walk in and they're like drinking and stuff and... But it's, like, pretty chill because the majority of these people are in their late 20s or early 30s. It's kind of they when you hit that age where they start to slow down because you get married and that kind of thing. That happens, yeah, in the secular world. But anyways, I'm in there and I'm like, oh, hey, everyone, what's up? And they all know me. I'm, I'm friends with all these guys. And just start chatting with them because they're literally in my house. So it's not like I can avoid them. And not, neither do I want to, because I know these people, they're my friends. And there was one girl in particular who's married to a guy that I've been good friends with for a long time. And I'm good friends with her as well. The guy I lived with for, I think, three, four months or so when I was like 17 in a big share house. Like, I, I know these people well. Uh, but yeah, this girl comes up to me and she's like, oh, Lawson, like, you, you're a, you're a Seventh-day Adventist and she knows this about me. I'm like, yes, I am. And she's like, I've been reading this book, uh, that's all about like health and, and rest and, and all throughout the book, there's all this statistics, um, from the Seventh-day Adventist church that they're like the healthiest people out there because of how much they, they love God and, and all of this health advice that they've gotten from the Bible. And I'm like, nice. Correct. God. Yes. Yes. And she's like, you know, and I, and I really want to be healthy and, and for myself, like I don't drink because 
I'm just trying to, you know, be as healthy as possible and do what's best for my mental health. And I'm like, wow, that, well, that's a fantastic decision. Yes. And then, yeah, we just got to talking about health and whatnot. And she's like, yeah, how is it that you guys like see health from the Bible? And I was like, come with me. Ah, and yes. I went to my bedroom. I walked upstairs. I have like a little bookshelf set up, my library. And in the bottom of my bookshelf is a bunch of books that are just like, I have a couple different copies of a couple different books that I can just give away. And I picked up a book called The Ministry of Healing. And I picked it up and I gave it to this girl and I was like, listen, this is the book that you want to read. That's if right. you want to experience good health, which by the way, like if you guys don't know, The Ministry of Healing is probably one of the most comprehensive, amazing, and not and by comprehensive, I don't mean it's big, but I mean, it just hits all these different topics that are so relevant to us today in terms of how we can holistically manage our health and how it is that the Bible tells us to do so. And I gave her this book and we just talked about it for a bit. And, um, and yeah, and I kind of, when I get into spiritual conversations like that, I kind of go into preaching mode and she's asking me questions and I'm like, look, God wants the best for your health. Like God yes. loves us so much. Yes. He wants the yes. best for us. And he's given us these principles from his word, like from the Bible. And obviously I was like mentioning to her Bible passages and whatnot, which the Ministry of Healing, that book right throughout, it's just constantly referencing the Bible to anchor its health principles on. But I'm just like, yeah, look, listen, like God wants the best health for you and God wants you to grow. And so I just thought that was really amazing. And then she was like, oh, Lawson, thank you so much for this. I'd love to come to your church and like hear you preach. And, you know, that would be really cool. And I was like, Praise the Lord. So this is just a really, really cool experience. You were I, not expecting that at your brother-in-law's birthday party. That's right. That's right. Like, I, I love them and, and they're good people, but I think it was just so funny. Like, I'd come back from, you know, talking about personal ministries and teaching people how they connect with people and make friends that can lead uh, to them being able to share the Bible with them. And this girl in particular, like, she's a Christian. She goes to church. But it was just so amazing that I could... Yeah, just have that connection with her and be able to help her in her life by administering something that God has given me a blessing to be a God, blessing. Yeah, see this, and, and this is the correct way to meet girls at parties. <laughs> be like, give them a ministry of healing. That's right. <laughs> she is married, though. Like, yeah, so, so it wasn't, wasn't that kind of meeting. Um, but yeah, praise the Lord. Like, I was just so happy. I was so, so, so stoked about that. And then other than that, I had a really good weekend and, and then... And then I rolled my ankle last night playing basketball. Um, but hey, I have a couple of minutes here to talk about some stories, uh, some good news happening around the world. One piece of good news happening around the world comes from one of my favorite places on earth. La, do you know where my, what my favorite city is in the whole world? Ooh, no, I, uh, Newcastle. Well, okay, yeah, that's, that's like number one. But like, do, you, <laughs> do you know what's like number two? Uh, number two is Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Really? Kuala Lumpur, like, Lump- they kind of pronounce it Lumpur, but really? we'll say Lumpur because people understand it better like that. They I have a good racetrack, do they? They have an amazing racetrack. It's like okay. where they, they race yeah. Formula One and, and yes. motorbikes there. But also, I spent, this is your favorite uh, I spent a couple city. of weeks there when I was 16, and I seriously think that it is, like, one of the best cities to visit in the world. It, like, straddles the line perfectly between developing and developed. So it's like a clean, modern city, but then cheap. 
Like you get a five star. It, this is back in 2015. You can get a five star hotel for like 90 bucks a night. Yeah, a double gonna room. COVID's going to change that. Yeah, but but, you know. but still, like I think proportionally compared yeah. to the rest of the world, it is a ama- like it is an amazing, awesome city. I love it so much, and I love Malaysians. It's so multicultural. Yes. But in the sense that like like Australia is multicultural, but it's kind of just like a dog pile of like random people from everywhere. Whereas they've got Malays and Chinese and Indians that are all Malaysian, and they all have their kind of distinct culture. And they're it's it's awesome. I love Malaysia so much. But something Malaysia has recently done is uh, they haven't completely abolished the death penalty, but they've brought in uh, a, the principle of proportionality, uh, which essentially is that to improve the criminal justice system, they have a lot of non-violent drug offences that carry the death penalty with it. Mm-hmm, and they've is. said, hey, maybe we shouldn't kill people. You know, if they do something like, sell drugs uh which i think is a great measure and a great move obviously like there are terrible crimes that people commit yeah, i think i think that dealing drugs is one of the most terrible crimes that there is but i do not support the death penalty i think it's something that you can be rehabilitated from yes. i personally know drug dealers who have come to the lord given and their heart to no jesus and their lives have been turned around and so i think that this new law gives god the opportunity to really work in these people's lives it does and it gives them the opportunity to give their lives to Jesus Christ, Amen. Which, which opportunity they would not have if there was if the death, death penalty was being enacted, which is why I don't support it. Right. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have the second question for our quiz. While Jesus is nailed to the cross, the soldiers cast lots for which of his belongings? 0491 is the number to call. As we said previously, our uh, prize for this week that you can go into the draw to win is Food as Medicine, Cooking for Your Best Health by Sue Rad. And you'll also get a taste of Food as Medicine that you can give out to people, and, you know, so that they can have a taste of this amazing cookbook that you have. So, yeah, you can give them the booklet, and then they'll see, like, wow, this amazing cookbook has recipes like these in it, and then they'll come to your house and spend time with you, and, you know, you can cook amazing food for them. But 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you want to make sure you're getting all these questions correct, because the more questions you get correct, the more entries you get to the quiz. But again, that question was, while Jesus is nailed to the cross, the soldiers cast lots for which of his belongings? 0491 All right, so moving on to more serious news, we've got FINA. Now, FINA is the World Governing Body for Swimming. Okay. They recently met in Budapest in Hungary. Mm -hmm. They have to to look at the issue of transgender, uh, well, basically biological males competing in women's sports. Mm -hmm. And they have voted to restrict it. Okay. Which is unexpected. But it's nice, nice to see Good. some common sense coming through, even though it's coming through very, very slowly. Mm. And so basically what they've come down to is that no one can compete against women who has experienced any male puberty. Ah. Uh. Which is much more reasonable than what they had before, which was pretty much anybody can compete depending on what, was, what they thought they were in their brain. Yeah. Wait, does that then... That then completely disqualifies... Leah Thomas. Oh, absolutely. She is out of the Olympics. She's done. She's done. It's over. There you go. So, you know, this is this is possibly not going as far as some would like, but 
It's the first is the first big act of common sense or a degree yeah. of common sense that I've seen come out of any, you know, major sporting body in recent times. Uh, this one uh, was voted through with a 71% majority, which is unsurprising because, you know, most people can see that allowing males to, comp- you know, biological males to compete against females mm-hmm. is a form of cheating. Yeah. You know, what is the definition of cheating? The definition of cheating is having an unfair advantage. Uh-huh. If you have a biologically male, if you have a male body and you're competing against a female in sports, specifically something like, you know, particularly something like swimming or weightlifting or something like that, yeah. then you have an unfair advantage. That is the very definition of cheating. Yeah, it's kind of, it gets like a bit blurry if you're talking about, I don't know, like archery or something like that, where it's, but even so, like. Even so, there is a reason why we have historically had. Women competing against women, men competing right. against men, because that way you get women who are able to compete. Uh-huh. Now, of course, there's no restriction on women competing, biological women competing in men. Mm. Uh, not that that will ever like pan out, pan out, but uh, because there is a biological difference between men and women, but there's no restriction on that. Uh-huh. I don't know why they had to make that decision. It's mm. kind of obvious, but anyway. Uh, moving over to Alabama, of course, on Friday. There was another church shooting in the United States, this one in St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. Uh, A third person has now died from that who was uh, initially wounded in the initial shooting. And one of the things that's interesting that's coming out of this is that the shooter was subdued by one of the church members. Mm. And this is a common theme. Wherever you have very, very low casualty rates universally, it is well almost universally universally it is because of the members fighting back against the shooter where you have mm. very high casualty rates you've got situations where everybody runs from the shooter and relies on the police and of course you know the police are only minutes away when seconds count mm. and these are situations where seconds count and so Unless somebody is, unless somebody steps in, and so what we've basically got is, in almost every case where you have a low casualty count from one of these uh, mass shooting situations, it's because someone was prepared to place their life on the line. Mm. And often, as in the one in the Asian church, the uh, Chinese church recently, uh, the reason that the casualty count there was low was because somebody gave their life mm. to subdue the shooter. Wow. And so this is something that we all need to stop and think about, I think, as people of faith. And if you go to a church, if you are part of a community, those are places that, you know, places of worship are becoming targets. Not so much in Australia, but we don't know what the future holds and how the culture will change. Definitely in places like the United States or, you know, the 1040 window, these are, you know, major places of confrontation. And and the question is, okay, what do we do? Do we run away from the gunfire or do we run towards the gunfire? Mm. Who's actually going to run in there and stop the shooter? Are you right with God? Do you have full assurance of salvation so that you could go in there and do something to save human lives on a day like that? You know, it's one of those questions that none of us can answer until it happens, but we need to stop and think about it before it happens. We need to, at the very least, have that assurance in our hearts that we could and pray that we would if we were called upon by God to do so. Mm. So, yeah, something, a serious one to think about there. And while we're talking about these kinds of subjects, particularly persecution against places of worship and so forth, we have this story coming out of India, and 
Once again, I could do this kind of story out of Nigeria every day. I could do this kind of story out of India every day. And the reason that we don't do them every day is because if I did one every day, you wouldn't hear it. You just get desensitized. Yeah. Yeah. So police have arrested a pastor in India, uh, arrested him from his grandmother's home, tied him to a tree and beat him. So this was uh, Pastor Pravesh Kumar. Uh, from Uttar Pradesh state, who was visiting his sick uncle at his grandmother's house. So, Mm. you know, this is what you do is when you're a pastor, you go to visit the sick, Mm. Uh, particularly if it is a family member. Mm. And uh, Lawson, you and I, when we go and do a hospital visit, when we Mm. go and visit somebody that's sick, we have prayer with them. Yeah. Uh, You might even take your guitar and sing. I don't. But you might. <laughs> Actually, I, I did this recently with someone like a couple months ago, and then I saw them, then, then they got surgery, and I saw them recently walking around, which was really good because previously they weren't walking. So praise the Lord. Yeah, this is just something you awesome. do. That's something you do. And, of course, they were sitting on top of their roof, uh, which in this part of the world is also something they do. Mm. You know, we sit on the front porch. They sit on the roof. You know, and they've, they've sang some, some Christian hymns together, mm. uh, which, of course, always gives you know, great encouragement to people of faith and people who are Christians. So they sing some hymns together. It was videotaped by their neighbour. Mm. You know, pulls out his phone, videotapes it, and sends it to the police. The police came over and arrested him on charges of forcible conversion. Because hymns were part of converting people And so this was forcible conversion Mm. Well, it wasn't actually because the entire household was Christian Yeah So there's no forcible conversion involved at all Mm. But because the neighbour could hear it Then that was forcible conversion They tied him to a tree, beat him black and blue And this was a police station outpost. So then they took him to the actual police station. When he got to the actual police station, the uh, police sergeant who was in charge uh, scolded these two police officers because they had beat him incorrectly and then proceeded to give them a demonstration of how to correctly beat this person. And they literally beat every single part of his body with batons and straps until there was no part of his body that was not left unbruised. Uh, then, of course, he was thrown into jail. The officers demanded, you know, twenty to twenty-five thousand bribe to let him go free of uh-huh. rupee, uh, rupee bribe, which is you know, a significant amount of money, and that's parts of the world. Uh, his fifty-five-year-old uncle arrived, who was unwell, mm. and so the police are like, "Yep, we'll beat you too," and so he got beat up as well. And then, of course, there was a, a number of Christians in the local area who complained, and as a result of their complaints to the police station and to the government officials in charge, they got beaten again No, while they are in jail. And since then, they have been released on bail, but they have refused to do anything about it. They've asked Christians to... Do nothing about it because every time something happens, of course, the story leaks out because mm. this is the digital age and so we know about it here in Australia right now. But they were beaten on every major joint of their body. Um, the, the the station chief warned them that if they told doctors or any senior police officer about the assault that the officers knew where to find him. In other words, they would kill him. Mm. Uh, the government instructed the administration to carry out arrests where, the government has instructed the administration to carry out arrests wherever people are gathering for worship and file complaints against them under the law. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
We are about to get to our interview of the day. Before we do, next question in our quiz. Oh, man, these are just all the people that we've been studying through in the Bible. Abraham was rich in gold, silver, and what else, according to Genesis 13? 0491 is the number to call and text if you know the answer. And if you do, you will go into the draw to win the books Food as Medicine and A Taste of Food as Medicine. 0491 is the number to call or text. Get in, guys. Get your answers in. Go in the draw. But again, that question was... Abram was rich in gold, silver, and what else, according to Genesis 13? And, of course, a quick reminder right there that if you're a regular church attender, test yourself. Yeah. If you are somebody who maybe doesn't go to church that often, then, hey, do some Bible study. Mm. Find out the answers to this. We want to encourage everybody to get into their Bibles this morning. But joining us on the phone right now is Etienne McClintock from Voice of the Martyrs, calling in all the way from Western Australia. Etienne, it must be early in the morning over there this morning. It is somewhat early, brother, but uh, good to be with you again. And uh, I've been here for about uh, five, six days now, so I'm starting to get used to the time difference. So it was a, a rude awakening, but it was good. I'm good, to be, good to be with you. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the life of breakfast radio, Etienne. You know, I tip my hat. I should go to bed earlier, though. I think it will make it easier to get up here. Hey, but nothing to complain about when we look at those Christians around the world who are deprived of sleep or they're put in isolation and all nasty things happening with them. I was just listening to you guys this morning when you were talking about, you know, what's been happening with the gunman killing those three senior citizens in, uh, in Alabama and just one of the older guys, you know, just dying in his wife's arms while she was just saying, and he was saying to her, I love you. It's just mm-hmm. terrible, terrible stories. Uh, that was a person that attended the church for a while, so we're not sure exactly what his motive was. But the pastor in India, unfortunately too often now in India, we've seen what's happening to uh, to Christians there who are being beaten just simply for praising God. I mean, they're just having a worship service quietly on their roof as, as they do. And, well, as, we, um, as we all do, I mean... We do it on our front porch or in our living room, but they do it on their roof. It's a slightly different culture, but not that different. Yeah, well, exactly. And then, uh, you know, they, they beat him, and then when they take him and the uncle who's trying to intervene to the um, to the police station, then, as you said, the uh, the police senior police person said, well, why did you beat him where it's so visible? That's not how you beat him. And then he showed them how to beat him with a leather strap and laid on them another 30 or 40 stripes while forcing them to try and call out to a Hindu, Hindu deity called uh, Lord Ram. Just crazy stuff that's happening. But in 11 states in India, um, persecute, well, let me see, conversion is outlawed. And so this is what they call forced conversion. But I don't know if any Christian organization, Christian churches, that forces anybody to become converted where, in fact, the opposite is the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll actually force them to convert back in what they call a homecoming. It's called car wapsi. And so they'll force them. And just recently, in the last uh, last two months or so, we know of at least of a group of 40 people who were forced to denounce Christ and come back. And unfortunately, in that instance, instance, 40, all 40 of them did it. Some of them sort of repented afterwards and they felt really bad about it. But there was so much pressure put on them, economic pressure, threats of violence, and out of the 30-odd states in, in in India now, there's 11 states that have got this law. It's a law that actually doesn't make any sense because it doesn't happen. So it's a straw man. However, the opposite happens. So the, the, the contradiction in the law and what actually happens is just astounding. So there's no law against converting from Christianity to Hinduism, or does no, that law no actually... No law. It's, it's, it just... 
targets people who are converting from from Hinduism, not into Hinduism. Exactly. You know, there's no opposition to that. Um, they, they welcome them back because basically what they want to do is under the, the current government, there's been very many people who have gone pro-Hindu and they want to have India as a Hindu state. So if you're born in India, you should be a Hindu. If you're a Christian uh, and you just sort of keep your witness to yourself, as what typically happens in many places, uh, you may be left alone. Sometimes they'll harass you. But we'll find typically, if we just want to boil down what persecution really is, is trying to shut down someone's witness for Christ and his truth. Uh, mm-hmm. The Gospel Commission is given to us to share Christ to the world. And this is for all people. He is the God of uh, all nations. And uh, we should share the Gospel and tell people of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. And it's up to them whether they accept it or not. We don't, we don't force anybody. They can. They have a choice, and all will one day stand before their Maker, before the judgment seat of Christ. And so we want to make sure that when they stand there, they stand there in the knowledge that Jesus loves them. He died for them. He paid the price for their sins, and he's uh, you know he's working on their behalf as their high priest, as their advocate at the moment. But a lot of people don't want to hear that because they love darkness rather than light. It's amazing as human beings how we double down on our pain in an effort to get rid of our pain rather than addressing where that pain is actually coming from and looking for a solution. Exactly. Well, the crazy thing is that persecution has increased so much around the world in the last 16 years continuously. I actually spoke at Bunbury Sunday Adventist Church on the weekend. I've been there just over two years earlier, the last uh, Sabbath, basically when they started doing the lockdown for COVID. And at that time, there were 260 million Christians around the world that had been persecuted for their faith the previous year. Now it's actually 360 million Christians. So that's grown in two years by 100 million. Mm. I mean, these statistics are staggering. But you know what Stalin said, if one million people die, it's a statistic. And if one person dies, you know, starvation, it's a tragedy. But there's so many tragedies in each of these stories. And I'm so pleased to hear that you guys are sharing some of the stories from around the world. Um, so we're um, obviously at the end of financial year. A lot of people have got their EOFY advertising everywhere. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is actually a tax-deductible uh, charity. And if you donate $2 or more, you can get a, a tax deduction on that. And, of course, if you do it before the end of the financial year, you might get a tax, tax benefit out of it. So we encourage people just to go and sign up to your monthly magazine. July, we've got a new format magazine. It's um, it's 20 pages. It's very colorful. This one actually does focus on India, so I'm glad you mentioned India this morning. It talks about those who choose to love their murderers, and it talks about uh, a couple of ladies had something in common where they lost family members to persecution and how they still love their, um, those people who perpetrated those crimes against their family. There's another story of a guy called Ravan. Uh, he was a Hindu hitman. And how people just kept on praying and praying for him. And he's become the most incredible Christian now, spreading the good news of salvation around uh, India in uh, difficult uh, territories and hostile territories. So that's uh, some of the stories in that uh, July magazine coming up. So if you subscribe to our um, magazine, you'll actually receive a book. And uh, this is a free book. It's a hardcover book written by a, a guy that actually runs some of our radio programs out of the U.S., Todd Nettleton. Uh, when faith is forbidden. It's a 40-day devotional, and each of those devotionals deals with people who have lived under persecution. So I encourage people to, if they haven't signed up yet to our magazine, to do that. But I do have a couple of stories just to share. 
from Pakistan, which of course is a neighboring country of uh, India. I think they used to be together, but uh, under British rule, they separated them. They pretty much Pakistan was separated because it was under Hindu uh, religion, and then India because it was uh, sorry under Muslim religion, and then India because it was under Hindu religion. But this talks about a, a Christian father of faith who died after also being brutally attacked. So his name is Aladita. He was 45 years old. He was visiting his cousin, Yusuf Masa, in Okara district in Punjab. And this was uh, just recently, about four weeks ago, when a group of men forced their way in and started attacking those present. And the attack was apparently triggered by a dispute between the Masa family and their neighbor's son. Uh, uh, climbed on the roof of their house and they were singing some, some hymns as well. And so the assailants started to beat Alain Massa, his wife, and other people present at the home. Now, they, they, their weapons were iron rods, so imagine the bruising Oof. that will happen from that. Oof. It's only when other villagers actually rushed to the scene and begged them to stop that they left, but not before they actually threatened uh, the family with, well, obviously murder. And so Aladita sustained serious injuries during the attack, he was taken to the Lahore General Hospital by the family, but uh, tragically, he could not be saved, and he died from his injuries a week later on the 27th of May. The problem is he could have been saved, but the Massa family have expressed their frustration. The police, uh, I don't know if it was deliberate or what, but there was a the definite delay in registering the first information report on the attack. In this delay, by the police then stopped the hospital. Sometimes they use these excuses, it's terrible hospital management who refused to commence treatment on Alan until they had received the report. So if they started with this treatment early, they may have been able to save his, um, his life, but it, that didn't happen. So unfortunately, when you're a minority group, whether it be Christian or whatever it is, you, you do not get fair treatment and people will deliberately drag their feet because they don't care if you live or die. And so if you're a person that's got a sense of fairness, a sense of justice, and you read these things, it's really difficult to swallow. But, um, you know, many people on this planet, even in the West, more and more, uh, may, uh, you know, treat people, especially Christian, unfair or unjust, uh, and they are persecuted for their faith and, and mistreated. But, um, you know, we, we are told in scriptures that nobody ultimately will get away with these things in this life. But the thing is, we don't, we should not be the people that take revenge. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 actually tells us not to take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Mm, mm. It is, you know, and, and one of these, one of the challenges that goes through my mind, just, you know, listening to this and, and you know, talking about these first incident reports and so forth, one of, the, one of the things that was pointed out is that when you've got Christians who are being persecuted, that first inc- incident report, you know, in India or Pakistan, comes out almost instantaneously from the police station. But here you've got a situation where they just sit, sit on it, wait for the person to die. Mm. Yeah, terrible, terrible. Is... Got another story out of Pakistan as well. Um, this one is a young Christian teen uh, who was rescued nine days later after she was forced uh, into converting to Islam and then marrying the Muslim man. So the story pretty much is, uh, goes like this: Saba Masa is a teenage girl from. Uh, Faisalabad in Pakistan and so the young Christian was walking with her older sister Mukadash um, on the morning of the 20th of May when the sisters were approached by four men including their neighbour so they know this guy Muhammad Yasir and the men forced Saba into a rickshaw 
So when the family reported the incident to the police, they were told that Saba had converted to Islam and married Yasser as his fourth wife. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, despite the family's pleas, the police did not intervene. However, after extensive pressure from the community, so we thank God that the community rallied behind them. They could see this was uh, terrible action, wrong action to be taken. The police finally took some action. They recovered Saba from Yasi's home and returned her to her parents on the 29th of May. So that's nine days later. And Yasser remains free. But despite being returned home, Saba is still suffering from the emotional trauma of the abduction and the forceful marriage. I mean, what a terrible thing to put a person through and, and wreck their lives, basically. Uh, you know, it's just, just selfish and as a fourth wife. And, and, and you know, but something no, like that carries a life sentence for the victim. You know, exactly, exactly. We, we know that because we see what happens when, you know, women are abducted and raped here in Australia, and that's, you know, that's exactly what has taken place here. It's an, an abduction and a rape. This has got nothing to do with marriage. This has got nothing to do with love. This has got nothing to do with religion. This is just a terrible person doing a terrible thing to somebody else. Hmm. But unfortunately, the uh, the Christian girls are often targeted. Yes. Other minor. Yeah, when I say uh, nothing to do with religion, well. it's not anything to do with any. Is 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 not to is not brought about by somebody practicing any form of true religion. True, true. Yes, yeah, agree one hundred percent. But you know, in that country, um, the human activists, rights activists, tell us that at least a thousand women from religious minorities um, are forcibly converted and married each year in Pakistan. The number could actually be high because there's many cases that actually do not go reported. But as I said, no one ultimately gets away with it. We think we get away with things in this life. And, uh, you know, all of us may have suffered some injustice at some stage. And you've got to just leave the, the situation in the Lord's hands. But Second Corinthians 5.10 tells us that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that we may receive the things whatsoever we've done in the body, whether it's good or evil. And so ultimately we will give an account to our Creator, our Maker, regardless of what our religious claims are. Um, but look, one of the good things we have going at the moment is we are trying to raise uh, some money for 150,000 Bibles. So far, um, well, last year we did 24,000 Bibles, which is the most Bibles we've ever done, uh, to smuggle these Bibles into restricted and hostile nations. So this year it's 150,000 Bibles. We've raised money for about 39,000 Bibles so far. And, um, you know, we've got a little ebook that people can download for free just by supporting our, our Bibles challenge. And it's called Sharper Than a Double-Edged Sword. So I'll encourage people to do that and go to vom.com.au and they'll see the 150,000 Bible Challenge there as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'd like to encourage all of our listeners to head over to uh, vom.com.au, uh, particularly as we are getting to the end of the financial year. There's an opportunity to make a donation that will be a blessing to others as well as a blessing to yourself in some ways. Uh, and, of course, uh, what a great opportunity we have to do something to alleviate persecution around the world. Etienne, thank you so much for joining us right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.